Hi everyone and welcome to episode 2 of Doff Talks. And thank you very much for listening in. In our last episode, we gave you a brief history of Doff, how we got started with our new offshore wind project, why it is important to us in Doff, but also the bigger picture as how we in Doff can contribute to a greener future. JK and Carl visited us in the last episode and they gave us a good introduction to floating wind, both the market, the big players and Doff's plan to enter this market. As promised last time in this episode of Doff Talks, we are going to talk about Hyvintampen. Hyvintampen will be the world's largest floating wind farm when it has been installed this summer. The wind farm will consist of 11 wind turbines. This will be the first floating wind farm in the world that supply power to oil and gas platforms at sea. The wind farm will have a combined capacity of 88 megawatts and is estimated to meet approximately 35% of the annual electricity power demand for five Equinor platforms. In periods of higher wind speed, this percentage can be significantly higher. The electricity from Hyvintampen should reduce the emission from the platforms with 200,000 tons of CO2. Doff is a proud partner in this project. We are in a joint venture together with Arca Solution. This is a high prestige project for us and we have dedicated some of our best employees to this project. One of them, Fredrik von der Fier, is Doff's project manager and he is with us here today. And Fredrik, can you please tell us what is going on right now, just as we speak? What can you see out of your window? Yeah, so out of my window and much on uh, WhatsApp and social media, which we use a lot in the project, I can see now that the, the vessel is gone Wisconsin. She's in, she's installing the anchors, but right now as we speak, she's sitting along the quay and ready to go out and install more anchors. And then in the background, I can see that there is a very large crane assembling the, the turbines onto a floating substructure. So uh, right now we have quite a lot of activity and then towards the end of May it will pick up even more as we start to tow out the turbines into the field. So uh, yeah, there is a lot going on now. We have talked a bit about dimension uh, when we talk about the hive in Tampen. Can you please try to explain a little bit for us how big those turbines are? Yeah, I can try to do that. It's a bit... Uh, you know, the megawatts, it's something you really don't have any connection with. You have maybe a light bulb at home. So I'll, I'll go more for the physical dimensions first. So if you have uh, the substructure that I refer to, it's like a floating bottle that the turbine is sitting on. So as a bottle floats in the water, you know, just the upper part of the bottle sticks out of the water and then the rest of the bottle is underwater. So this bottle is then made of concrete together with Arco Solutions now. So the, the bottom circle of this uh, substructure is 300 square meters. So that's a bit under 300 square meters, but it's about the size of at least a Norwegian big home. Just the, the surface of that part. And then the height of the bottle is 107 meters, which is roughly the size of the tallest, one of the tallest buildings in Norway. And Norway don't have very tall buildings, but still it's a 40-50 it's a store uh, high building. And then this substructure, which we have been now 
it's been built in the water, so we have had a, a large role there in how that's done. And it's uh, it's eleven of these structures then. So then you have eleven big buildings floating in the water, <laughs> in a way. And uh, then the turbines will be put on top here, and the turbines are roughly 170 meters uh, high to the top of the blade. So the total height then is around 280 meters, which is just 20 meters short of the Eiffel Tower, which wow. most people have a, a relation with. So it's like 11 floating Eiffel Towers. 11 floating Eiffel Towers. I yeah. think that is a good picture for all of us. And everything now is up in gul. Yeah, all the substructures, they are done. Uh, there are some testing going on, so they are not all delivered, but they are all done in Dommersnet, which is the site where Arco Solutions build them. Then they are towed for uh, three days, roughly, up to the site where we put the turbines on top. Yeah. So one is completely done now, floating in the in the fjord outside Gull, getting ready for towing towards the end of May. And the second one is being built now. So right now they are putting the the nacelle, which is the part holding the blades together, mm. is being lifted on now as we speak, roughly. So one is completely ready and yeah. ten is about to come. Yes, and the second one is being built, and then we'll continue building them through the next two, three months. It's a bit pending all the deliveries. And as you know, we had COVID and everything, so there's been a lot of challenges for all the suppliers of the parts. So there are uncertainties in the schedule that we need to handle. I see. JK, you were also here with us, and everybody knows you from the last episode. You have also been up to Gulen, and... Finally, something is happening at site. And how, how is that for you? You have been involved in this project for, for years. And can you, can you say a bit about that and also what impresses you the most? Yeah, no, there are many things that are impressing me. Um, it is actually when you're seeing these uh, structures coming together at Gul, like Fredrik just explained, that is really amazing. And that we are part of something that is the world's first and biggest. So for the Doffe as a group, uh, being part of something that is new, it's a new era, that is also very impressive. But maybe the thing that impresses me the most, and Frederick mentioned COVID. So this job, and we will maybe come a bit back to that, was given to us in October 2019. And here we are sitting with two years of COVID, maybe two and a half. And uh, the plan was to tow out the first turbine on the 1st of May in 2022. And now where the plan is, we are talking about the 18th of May. So there is only 18 days of delay from the original plan. And that is really impressive. And also the HSC performance that has been achieved on the project to date is really impressive. <laughs> That's good to hear. Frederick, can you give us some key insight? I mean, like a sneak peek behind the scenes. What's going on right now? So uh, what it's all about is keeping the vessels working and challenges with the, with the schedule, basically, because there are so many vessels that need to work in parallel. The turbines need to be assembled, the substructures need to be towed, the mooring system needs to be installed in time, and the hookup needs to happen before the next contractor comes and pull in the cable, which is the last part of this work. And when when will that be, Fredrik? When, when will this be 
Yeah, electrified or yeah. Electrified? When power production will start. Basically, when will the what, power production start? <laughs> yeah, and this is not. This is after our delivery, as yeah. we install them, and then other contractors pull in the cable and connect the cable to the platforms yeah. in every end. So the big goal for Equinor is that that has to be done this year. Okay. And basically, you need to make it before autumn because in Norway you cannot work a lot in the winter or autumn time. Then the vessels will be waiting a lot. They need calm waters. Mm. And from September, October, the weather will come down on them and they will not be able to do it. So it's roughly this this autumn they mm. have to be ready with everything marine. So there is a short window for this project in a way. Yeah, the window, yeah, it's not short, but it's not long. Yeah. <laughs> At least we know that there is a window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there are constraints in both ends, clear constraints. And it's a, as it's a funded project they clearly have to deliver and of course the big goal with this project is to cut the cost to get this to become you know profitable power production Uh, so we understand there is a as you say there is a lot of different companies a lot of different vessels every everything needs to fit into one schedule can you say with a few words what is doff's role what are we actually doing with our vessels and our you as a project manager so so Purely with our vessels, we are doing the installation of the mooring system, which is what Scandiscansen is doing right now and is closing to to ready with that. And the second thing that we do with our vessels is towing out the substructures and connecting them to this mooring system. This is sort of the pure DOF scope with our vessels where all our DOF companies are involved and we use our full DOF strength. And and you your role is to oversee this yeah, or do you have a bigger role roles in this <laughs> okay <laughs> so uh, if we start sort of on the top of the hierarchy my role is that i am in arco solutions project management team as the marine operations manager for arco solutions so that's then overseeing everything marine with the building and if you remember on the site in haugesund they're all floating so it's sort of a floating site so i'm responsible to make that site work and ensure that it's sort of safe and good everything that's floating in the water. So that's barges, mooring systems, and the mooring of the 11 large structures to these barges. And then there are a lot of marine operations as you build. That That's a bit handled by Arco Solutions, and I'm sort of involved more as an advisor or support if they have challenges. And then as the substructures are done, they are towed up. This is also, of course, a marine operation, which is under me. And then when they arrive up here at Gull, we enter a new contract, which is the joint venture contract, which is KDS-JV. And in KDS-JV, I am the project manager. Then I'm supposed to deliver what's in the contract from Gull. There everything is coordinated or managed by me. So a lot of different hats and a lot of different roles. Yeah, and I have a few more roles as well. We're not, <laughs> <laughs> we're not done yet. So, yeah. Just a small comment to what Frederick is explaining here is that, of course, this is about the integrated model. Because otherwise you would have ended up with two, three guys yeah. to run, you know, two different uh, projects with interfaces. And maybe it's easier for Frederick to agree with himself <laughs> than two, three other I'm guys. Not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so, it is yeah, yeah. much more lean. Yeah. And with all the changes, it's almost impossible if you have all these contractual discussions going as well. Yeah. So our strength is sort of that we are able to act and change and follow the changes. But to to go back to my roles, Mm. and the last role is then that I sit in 
DOF, there are also, you know, different companies. So there is a separate project for the DOF, taking in the DOF vessels, mm. which is Iceman and Skansen, and then selling that into myself and KDSJV. So it's sort of three hats on me. Okay. Which makes this podcast a bit complicated. <laughs> <laughs> this project and this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, JK, back to you. What can we learn from working on the hive in Tampen that we can use on next projects that Duff would like to be a part of? I, I think I can start uh, because this could also be a long uh, answer again, Mariana. Uh, I think we should start a bit uh, using uh, now the, the, rec- the track record that we have achieved. So there is a lot of interesting companies, what we call the developers, that would like to listen to us because of the experience we have gained. Yeah, yeah. we have the hands-on experience that no one has. We want to try to make sure that puts us in a good position to win the next project. So just to have it, you know, in our track record is is an important uh, uh, to win the next job. But then, of course, there is a, no, a lot of technical know-how when you have won the job mm. that you would like to then benefit from. So I'm sure that Frederick can explain a lot about optimization of the mooring system, there are analyzers that we have done uh, that, uh, you know, we have lessons from that we can improve for the next project. And also, you know, when you're looking at the schedule, durations, the cost base, all these things, I think we now have in our our minds in the organization. And and we talked last episode about having this global footprint and of where do you think our next win project will be? Where will we execute our next floating wind project? Now, personally, I think uh, there are two very clear and exactly which one come first. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but there is a lot happening in South Korea. And uh, Aquino, you know, uh, have a project that is very highly profile called Firefly. So it could be that that is the next one. There are also a few very highly profile projects on the UK sector. And then we are talking 27, 28. But um, if I just take Flyerfly, that bid is up, is coming out in between a roughly nine months time. I hope that we are in a position that we at least are bidding that project mm. and hopefully winning. And I think a lot of the Aquino people that are involved on Hyvin Tampan will be moving over to this one and hopefully Frederick have good relationships and that helps winning the next job. So we know probably what you will do then um, in 2023, Frederick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be looking for the next job for sure. Yeah. We also talked uh, last episode that maybe Norway is lagging a bit behind and we need to speed up uh, to make Norway our home market also within wind. And, and we have a lot of eyes on this project. It's a governmental-supported project. How important is it that Norway actually succeed on a project like this? As you rightly point out, Marianne, Norway are behind. Uh, the politicians uh, do not have a clear ambition on how many gigawatts we are going to develop and buy one. So that is still unclear. But to answer your question, and I think um, completing this project on time, and uh, I, I, w- I would also hope within the budget and that the technology works. So actually the turbines are producing electricity to these platforms. I think that is an evidence that uh, Norway have the capabilities to deliver these type of projects. And I think Hyvind Tompen will be a very clear uh, testament of that. 
Uh, and I think that will bring stronger belief in the politicians that we can do it. But I also think that, you know, it will give Aquino quite a lot of confidence uh, mm. that I can go ahead with the next uh, project uh, or two. Mm. So, um, and, and I also think it's good for Dov. Mm. Uh, I know you asked about the, 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 how, how this, uh, but I, I think Dov, uh, if I can put my Norwegian hat on, I think that will uh, give us a very strong confidence that we can also move into this new era. You know, for Norway, it's a bit hard, uh, hard to say how important that is for Norway, I would say. But for DOF or for our industry and also sort of in general, this is, you know, it will be wind and it will be sun that will help us out of the energy crisis. Our project here, which, you know, is quite big when I give you the dimensions, but the projects that we talk with Equinor about in Korea, that's about five times the size minimum of this project. And there are around... Eight, that's just Equinor's parts only in South Korea. And there are eight different projects around the same size. So, you know, it would be about a hundred times the size of of Hyvind Tampan in the in the world. And it's all going in parallel. Mm. And uh, you know, the amount of vessel days for us and the change sort of basically for the whole world will be enormous over the next twenty years, I think. So it's very important that we succeed. And if I could maybe add another thing to what Frederick just explained, because I think when we are looking into these projects now, there is a lot of work going into how to optimize what we call the capex side. That mm. is, uh, you know, to build the turbines and put them out into the ocean and make them produce electricity. And maybe that takes three to four years, you know, when you're starting your the lead time, you know, from the plan until it's actually out producing. But then they're going to be out in the ocean for 30, maybe even 40 years. So the maintenance requirements and how to optimize that, I think DOF can play a significant role in that going forward. So that is a huge market that we still have to explore. Very good. I think that was a, a good uh, end of uh, of this episode. Uh, thank you, JK. Thank you, Frederick, for a very inspiring conversation and for giving us a real life update of what's happening at Gul now and the progress of the Hyvin Tompen project. We all read and we all see posts on all social media platforms about the project. And I really feel that we now have a better understanding both about the dimensions and about how the dedicated team from many companies are working hand in hand to make this massive project a success for all stakeholders. In the next episode of Dove Talks, we will actually continue to talk about Hyvind Tompen and we will take you at site in Gulen and also on board one of our vessels. We're standing now on the back deck of Skandiskansen and the sound you hear in the background is the excavator dredging out the chain before it's being loaded on board Skandiskansen. We will look at the offshore construction phase and the towing and the installation of these massive turbines. We need also to talk about the safety perspective and why this has the highest priority in everything we do in DOF. So please stay tuned for the next episode of DOF Talks. <laughs>